What's up, Midwest Anglers? This is the Midwest Angler Podcast. So you guys are at the right spot. This is episode 106. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch. We're here. We're here. I'm surprised you didn't call them dirtbags. Hey, you dirtbags. <laughs> I don't... I don't know that. Are you going to quit hitting your microphone or? I'm going to stop. Just I'm keep sorry. hitting I'm it. I'm adjusting it. Golly. We sit here for freaking 20 minutes discussing this episode before we start recording just for you to smack the microphone around a whole bunch of times. I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> it's like I'm playing cards with my brother's kids. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tombstone reference right there. And not pizza. <laughs> no, no. The actual movie. movie. The actual <laughs> cowboy gunslinging Nebraska Cox crew movie. Well, we got out and we uh, we went fishing. We did. Over the weekend. Uh, over so, South Dakota way. Yeah, I decided to head west. So West, uh, not too much north. A lot more west. Uh, um, just a little ways west of Sioux Falls. And uh, we got out on the ice. Uh, um Kind awesome of a, purge. Yeah, kind of a mixed bag. Got yeah. some walleyes, got some bluegills. Yeah, some surprise bluegills. The lake that we were fishing in, I didn't realize that there was like bluegills in there. And if they were in there, that they had any size to them. And the ones that we caught were pretty nice bluegills. Right, right. And and uh, not too often you catch bluegills on a leech flutter spree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a kind of a weird deal when, when, when I hooked the first one. Well, I think both you and I... At hooking the at the time. exact same time and yeah. i got the bluegill to the top and i was like holy smokes i think i said the same thing yeah and so i look over at you and i'm like hey what'd you get and you're like hey a big bluegill and i'm like so did i so that was that was a weird deal yeah weird deal but i was for we, it yeah we were over there trying to catch some fish for uh adam top he yeah. was he wanted to get some for the dinner table so yeah top put on some freaking miles yeah he did yesterday he uh he took off from Rock Rapids, Iowa, and got up to Watertown before seven a.m. And uh, not like he really just woke up early to to actually go fishing. He didn't even have the plan. Just, he just woke up and started driving. And, That's uh, right. Uh, he got up way north, and uh, I had a basketball tournament for my son in the morning. Matt uh, had some other stuff he had to do, so uh, we decided we'd all meet up kind of uh, a little bit after the noon hour and. Uh, yeah, kind of tried to put something together. Uh, we did catch some walleyes. Nothing. Uh, nothing big. Nothing you, to write home about. One, the biggest one was about what 15, 16? 15, 16, I would say. And and uh, you know it was kind of crazy when that one came to the hole. It was just a way darker fish. I mean, it, it was almost like a Canadian fish. Yeah. You know, and all the rest of them were kind of pale, light colored, and uh, so that that was kind of different. Uh, but they it was weird. Your bite was your walleye bite that you were on was really weird. You couldn't even get your um, flutter spoon halfway down to the bottom was the weirdest thing i've ever experienced with walleye fishing uh we were in 13 feet of water and uh i would drop that flutter spoon down and they would literally come about six foot below the hole and just smash it and it was like yeah. okay and i mean we're talking cold snap toothpick in the back of the throat because <laughs> i mean they would they were smash hungry. it and uh yeah i mean how many what I catch five, six in a row like that, that yeah, I couldn't even get crazy. down to the bottom. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. It was a weird deal. And then the next time you just get cold shouldered bigger than heck by them. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I know top was running like a VMC t- uh, tumbler, tingler spoon, tingler spoon, I think. And yep. I was running the leech flutter spoon. I'm not sure what you had on. I just had a Northland, like not a buckshot spoon without the rattle. What do they call them? Forge minnow or something like okay. that. I think okay. is what I had on. 
I was running a gold color with uh, the the red dots, and I think Topper said he had something that was kind of a goldish color also. But I was running purple and white. Purple and white. Yeah. You're a purple guy. I, I do kind of enjoy that. I don't know if it's just like the Minnesota just ingrained in you that you got to <laughs> run purple, but we've had luck on purple before, right. Manuel. So, no, yeah. it was it was a good time. Glad to get him some food for the table. Now, I was thinking about this a little bit, Scott. What is, like, when we're talking about keeping fish and cleaning them and eating them, and you're planning to have a fish fry, what is, like, the perfect fish and size that you're going to keep? Like, if you could only have one for a big fish fry, what would it be? If I only only one fish or, like, like one like the like one type 8-inch of... bluegills or 11-inch crappies right. or... Like, what do you think is the perfect eating fish, like, for a fish fry, we'll say? A oh, perfect geez. eating one. You know, I know I know everybody just rants and raves over how great crappie are. You know, you got to have crappie. Uh, you know, I mean, we've done... Obviously, you know, with uh, with my Okaboji uh, being being kind of my home lake, uh, bluegills is is the main uh, fish species that that I've you know eaten and targeted, whatever. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say just that eight inch bluegill. Uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, a sixteen inch walleye is nice. I I I do like the thought of having one big fillet instead of a bunch of smaller fillets. Right. Um, but there's just something to it, like with those smaller flays that they fry up and crisp up so much better. And it's just like a bite size, you know, it's one bite. Sometimes it's the one where you can get it where it's, you might get a couple bites out of it. But I mean, it's like the perfect yep, like yep. morsel right there to have. So what, what is yours? I'm going to say have, inch bluegill, you're going to. I'd have to go right in along with that probably because I was thinking two of the, like the 15, 16 inch walleye. But like when it comes down to frying fish, you kind of will end up just cutting it up anyways right at least i do um we've caught crappies before i was just thinking about that you know like man sometimes you catch like a 13 inch crappie and you're going to you know to fry it and it's, it's that flay is almost too big to fry so you almost got to cut it in half for me anyways i feel anyways to have a good crispy flay you know, what do you think about like say an 11 inch perch see something like that too you know I, that's what i was kind of going along the lines with somewhere right in there with that 10 11 inch perch might be the perfect eating size perch there is because or perfect perfect fish that there is because then you know it's just one flay you can get a few bites out of it and you're good to go how do you how do you feel about eating northern pike ah you know i'll do it but i mean if you take the y bone out do you right i just don't like cleaning northern pike so that's why i never clean keep them you know you know like i i read it a lot on facebook you know a lot of people you know will say you know wow you know if you know how to get the y bone out you know pike is you know one of the best eating fish and and when we were up in canada uh fishing me eric grady and my dad here uh already two summers ago because we couldn't get through last summer but uh um you know the one night we kept a pike to eat and uh you could tell which one was the pike because it just had a little bit more of a yellow meat. And, I mean, I truly got to say, like, I did I did not care for it. Right. It, it, it does have a – I do feel it does It does have a different taste to it and yeah. stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe it just uh, – you know, we bled our walleyes and we didn't bleed that pike. Hmm. You know, I wonder if that could have been it. Uh, but do you, what do you think about bleeding uh, walleye, like, on the ice? Yeah, I've never done it on the ice. I've done it like in the summertime and 
let them out before I cleaned them. I wonder what people, like how people are doing that. I don't know. I guess, yeah, you've never walked up and saw a pile blood, of blood on blood yeah. all over the lake. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, I really feel like that was really getting to be the, the popular deal there for, uh, you know, open water fishing. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, I mean, I got to think the same people that are doing it open water fishing are doing it ice fishing. and You would think so. Hey, whatever. Whatever, you know. Yeah. But no, that just got me thinking a little bit when, you know, sometimes, it's, yeah. Hey, fair enough. That. Speaking of, well, no, nope. Before we move on. Before we move on, uh, you know, obviously. The, the ice on the lake that we were on yesterday was a little different. It was, it was, and, uh, you know, that that's obviously something that we felt we needed to talk about because uh, I believe I heard the number 20 some 20 vehicles possibly vehicles snow bears uh atvs utvs and and uh hard-sided houses fell through the ice in five counties in south dakota and uh that these are the counties up you know in the brookings area you know up to watertown whatever but uh 20 in in a span of two or three days yeah i mean that's that's pretty incredible like eight of them yesterday alone. Well, I believe it. I believe it because when we were out on the ice, you know, Top had gotten out to this lake before we did. We called ahead and, you know, we were like, hey, man, you know, you, you're getting anything, whatever. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around right now trying to find some trying to find some active fish. But uh, he said the, the ice is really weird. He said, you know, there's a lot of slush pockets and whatever. I mean, there was people buzzing all around on ATVs, UTVs, snowmobiles, whatever. And you know, it was kind of like, wow, you know, whatever. Well, as we were walking out there, I mean, it was, I mean, there was spots where we were finding, you know, UTV tracks that, I mean, sunk down eight inches into the slush. Yeah, they were, I mean, they're down there a ways. I mean, we watched a few guys when they would move with their four wheelers around, they'd have to gun it in those spots. And it, I mean, it was close to getting stuck. Right. And because it was, it was where the snow was on the lake. Right. You know, it would, I don't know if it created insulation there and there was water underneath of it or what, but yeah, it was just really weird. I mean, there was good solid ice underneath of it. Right. I mean, I mean eight to 10 inches right. where we were, but. But it just makes it feel weird when you're walking on the ice and you sink down. I mean. Right. And you know, I noticed, uh, well, A, the ice cut, the ice cut really weird. Like, right. you know, Jim Gerard like made, soft. right. Jim Gerard made the comment, like it cut like March ice and, uh, he's exactly right. Uh, it, it, it cut slushy, whatever. And I noticed on a couple of the holes that I drilled after I got done drilling, like there was some water that started seeping up out of those holes. And, and, uh, I noticed the one time as I was sitting there, uh, you know, it kind of started to melt some of the snow next to me and, and it was just, you know, like, wow, you know, this is just really weird, really weird. But, uh, especially just for like the first week of January. Right. I mean, this is where you start to think about, you know, you know i mean thick ice you know i mean people are driving pickups on and and everything and i i don't know you know we we kind of talked to a couple of our buddies from up in that area and we asked them you know what is going on you know why why is it and uh they thought that there was kind of a mixture of of some different things obviously uh it it hasn't been super cold it's been you know decently warm but uh, that that alone is not enough to to do these types of deals because i mean if you I mean, 
come March, I mean, we can have numerous, numerous days where it gets above 40 degrees. And, you know, I mean, it never really does this. Right. And, uh, you know, we're still getting down to freezing every day, you know, a high of 37. Well, it's only getting above freezing for, you know, three hours out of the day. Uh, you know, the other 21 hours, it's, it's still at freezing or below. So that, I don't think that that's enough to do it, but, uh, they talked about some water levels on the lake, uh, you know, low water levels to start off is, is making a lot of these pressure heaves. And, um, I wonder if like runoff from the fields, like what happens in, you know, late with late ice, when the snow starts to melt and you start getting that water running off onto the ice off of all the like surrounding area of the lake. I Absolutely. wonder if that's happening because the last few days we did have a lot of snow melt. Oh, for sure. For so. sure. I mean, the sun's had some power and, uh, you know, the lake we were on yesterday kind of sits down, you know, below a couple fields, you know, kind of down in a valley. So right. there is going to be some water running off onto it. Uh, you know, and, and I think they've had some rain. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. We did the other day a little bit. So, yep. but no, so definitely be careful out there. Um, yeah, with all the ATVs and UTVs going through, check the ice while you're going out. Right. Um, it, when in doubt, you know, try to pay attention. See if there's any heaves. Don't be driving over the heaves. Right. And just, yeah, had a couple, had one unfortunate accident up there on Ponset. So, yep, a grandfather and uh, eight I believe it was an eight-year-old grandson, grandson uh, passed away. Boy, and yeah. Hoofda. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we all, we all love. You're checking it up in front of you and just, you know, no ice is safe ice like everybody always says. That's right. All right, Matt. Uh, here's, here's something that you've kind of brought up. Uh, um, I think that you kind of had an experience here a while back, which yeah, kind of ma- made you think about this, yeah. but uh, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah, okay, here here's one for you. I was fishing the other day, this past Monday, and uh, saw actually one of our listeners, Ryan Miller, was out there fishing. Him and his daughter and nephew, so that was pretty cool getting them out there and fishing. But anyways, I, they were they were having a lot of success where they were fishing at, and uh, I was a little ways away from them. And a young kid, probably a high school kid, and his younger brother came out a little bit later and started drilling holes all over the place and trying to find some fish. Um, but then they got up and left. Ryan and his family got up and left and started walking to the truck, and. They were, I mean, I could still see them. They weren't very far yet. And I turn and look, and that kid is, like, running over to those holes and, like, getting set up, right, like, and caught one right away because he saw them catching them. So it got me thinking, like, how long do you wait? Like, if you're by somebody and you see them, they're having success. You're, You're catching a few, but obviously not as much as them. And they get up to leave and start, like, how long do you wait or do you think there's an acceptable time period to wait before you start going over there and fishing their their spot their holes you know okay so this is my opinion and uh um you know i'm not saying that this is the gospel i i could very easily be persuaded away from this but uh i truly think the second that that they get up and you can tell like if i mean if they're packing up their stuff and and i mean you can tell like okay they are not just moving 10 yards down, you know, I mean, we are, they are moving off the lake. I think it's fair game right then and there. I mean, I might ask them like, Hey, are you taking off? And if they say, yeah, you know, we are, 
then I might say, you know, hey, I think I might jump over, uh, you know, to your hole. You know, I mean, <clears throat> in my mind, I feel like maybe you should possibly ask, like, hey, you care if I take that hole? But in the same, right. but in the same breath, like it's not really their hole. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I would say if you t- if you can tell that they're taking off, uh, you know, I mean, I maybe personally just because of pride reasons. <laughs> Right. I'm going to wait, wait until, until they're you can't of, see them. Right, right. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I do feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I think that I'd probably just get up and, and start walking over there and, and uh, you know, try to try to get with well, that you, program. I'd, I've seen it before, like when we're on Okaboji and you're fishing in like Emerson Bay or something like that. And, you know, somebody gets up and they leave and people are like, are over there. Like before right. you can even like right. get up and go. I just, like you said, I don't know as part of them part of pride or what it is that it's just like i'm not just gonna quit get up over there and there will i go over there and fish those spots yeah if they're leaving like you said and they're not gonna fish them anymore i'll go do it but in a timely manner but i don't know okay but the funny the funny thing was you know and they were catching fish and they were having success and uh you know they leave and that kid and his little brother get set up and they're saying about everything (laughs) you could tell it was it was it was a high schooler and his younger brother and mom and dad weren't around, so they could talk however they wanted, oh, you know? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> we were dropping all kinds of... I was getting a little kick out of it, but then, you know, they caught a few big ones. They must have, because they were hooping and hollering in there, and I could hear them, man, they they must... I don't know what those guys were doing, because, man, they must not have been... They must have been fishing too big of a jig, because we're killing them over here. They couldn't... Well, they had caught a whole bunch too, so right. it's just like guys. It's like you're maybe they not, got their limit, and that's the right. reason that they left, or, but or they just, just had something else to. Yeah, well, whatever makes them feel good, but, right? Yeah. So, so here's one. You know, I mean, to to, to kind of piggyback off that, um, say you're fishing in a community spot, and you're. I mean, you know, you're kind of rubbing shoulders with somebody. You know, kind of. Uh, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, say you drill and, you know, there's, there's people, you know, 20 yards on every side of you, whatever. And, uh, you know, you're kind of going to go exploring out and you find another hole a little ways down, or, or you see somebody that is still, you know, fishing that area, but they've kind of moved off, you know, to 40 yards on the other side or whatever. Will you drop your deucer down in their, in their hole and, and fish it potentially? You know, if I saw him drill it, and they're actively fishing the area yet, I probably won't. But, I mean, if they're just out there, maybe they're doing the same thing, just hopping from hole to hole that's already drilled. Right. I might jump in there. But, again, that that also goes along with the lines of people that will come out there and drill, you know, 20, 30 holes, and it's just like, well, you can't just go out there and, like, that's like marking your territory and right. saying, I'm, these are mine, you can't fish them. Well, sorry, but. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you go out there with uh, some strike master, you know, 24 volt and, and you know, drill out a spot as big of a, as a football field and, right. you know, think, well, these are my holes and, yeah. you know, whatever. You can't uh, get mad if somebody comes in there and starts fishing, like, you're down at the end of the one the line and, you know, they're 60 yards this way. Right. And they start fishing into one of them that you drilled. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. Right. No, I mean, I think that was already two years ago when we had the experience right. out on East Okaboji where, I mean, there was, what, eight, ten of us, and, and we probably had, I don't know, 30 holes kind of drilled all around, and uh, we had a snowmobile come and park right in between us, started fishing in our holes, and, and that was fine, whatever. You know, I mean, we, we didn't make any any, you know... Uh, 
What's the right word here? We didn't make any what about it. Fuss? Yeah. Any gripes about it? We didn't it make or? any we didn't make anything about it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Any fuss, any gripes. We just I don't thought, know. Okay, whatever. whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Like that's fine. And then this freaking dirtbag starts yakking on the phone talking about how we're fishing his holes. Right. Then it's like, okay, listen up, bud. Yep. Yeah, you know, should have turned big tasty on him. Yeah. A situation like that, when you come rolling up like that, it, like you said earlier, maybe ask, hey, you know, you guys all right if I, you know. Yeah, we were fishing here? here yesterday. And the crazy thing about that thing, though, was like you said, we had like eight guys fishing with us, and we were kind of on the outside the perimeter of where we were fishing right and he came and drove in right in the middle of all of us like, right in the middle like you're like sitting over there about 20 yards from me and he comes and fishes the holes between us and it's just kind of like whoa what's going on here and right. then proceeds to kind of bash us and it's just like ah, no that's okay he had a jersey on oh yeah he did he was he did have a jersey that's for sure we've talked about it before <laughs> he's a rod builder around here <laughs> we'll leave it at that i don't have any of his rods <laughs> Okay, well, that's it. Hey, speaking of... Uh, drilling holes. Drilling holes. How, how do you feel about... Uh, how do you feel about the guys that, uh, you know, say say doing the same thing like what we were just talking about, you know, drilling a bunch of holes and, you know, kind of hole hopping around, and then they half drill a hole and leave the auger in there, like, you know, yeah. to get it up off the ground. And and at first I was like, you know, I, I don't... I don't get that. I don't, I don't get the program. And then I don't remember what somebody said. They said, you know, well, you're keeping your battery. Uh, you know, if, if you've got a cordless drill auger, you're keeping your battery up off the ground. Okay. I guess I get that a little bit, but, uh, any way you slice it and dice it, I just don't feel like that's possibly the best idea. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw shade at the people that do it. No, I mean, I, I get it. I get it, whatever. But, uh, if there's any if there's any water on the top side of that ice, it's gonna go into that hole, potentially. Right. And it could, you could freeze your auger. Exactly. Again. You could potentially and uh I, I mean I guess yeah, you know, you got an auger there and I suppose you get a good footing and, and uh, you know, give her hell and she should be able to bust through, but there's a chance you might tilt the whirl around a couple right. times and I don't know. I I've seen that, you know, I, I saw it uh have any of the listeners ever had do do they do this to when they're hopping holes just to half drill a hole and just so it like acts like an auger holder and then your auger freezes into it? Has anyone had it freezing? That's what I'm asking our listeners right now. Have any of you guys out there respond to us? Let us know if you've ever had that happen or saw that happen to somebody. Because I that, that's got to happen. Oh, for sure. For I mean, sure. you would think you do you, it. You do it in the middle of the day when it's you know kind of nice you know say 34 degrees and you know an hour and a half later it gets to 31 degrees and the whole game changes i guess you know like the whole thing with the keeping the battery off the ice a lot of times after i get done drilling the hole i just make sure i prop it up on something right you know right. or set it on my house if i'm fishing outside just so that's up off the ground yep, yep that's know. always what i do yeah, I don't know. I, I've seen it a couple we, times. Yeah, we and, and, and it just kind of caught our eye on the ice, and we started talking about it, and yep. just yeah, something interesting. Did we see somebody with it yesterday? Yep. Okay. There's somebody. Out and there. I'm pretty sure this morning, uh, the Ultimate Panfish League, this morning as in Sunday morning, uh, Ultimate Panfish League was doing some live uh, live videos uh, on Pokey Gamma. Is that how you poke? Poke Gamma. Pokigama. Something like that. I'm yeah. not Minnesotan, so I, <laughs> I don't exactly know the lingo, but. 
Pokey Gamma, Pokegama, whatever. That's where they were fishing, and uh, I don't know. I, I saw it in the background. Might I, be Pokegama, too. Pokegama? Yeah. That? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I, I'm sure you guys are picking up what we're putting down. That's the lake that they were on, and uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. Uh, saw it, so. Uh, plastics versus meat. To piggyback off last weekend, last week, uh, we had Scott Brower on, which was an absolutely amazing show. And, uh, the numbers are showing that the, the listeners are thinking that it's an amazing show too, because that one is absolutely through the roof. Uh, lots and lots and lots of listens on that one. Uh, probably going to be one of our, I don't know when it's all said and done, probably going to be one of our top five episodes. So, uh, we appreciate that. That that's, that's awesome. Uh, but, uh, a day or two after we had Scott on, um, I don't know if it was, I think it was Wednesday night this yep. last week. Uh, Scott Brower did a deal for runnings where he did an online, uh, live video where he answered some questions. Uh, he had like a fish tank next to him and he kind of demonstrated some baits. Uh, I think if you go back on runnings, uh, Facebook page, you'll be able to find it. And a lot of, a lot of really good, uh, good topics discussed, but, um, somebody on there, Andy Stromsness actually, uh, wrote on there and said, how do you gain confidence in plastics over meat? And, you know, I, I, I read that and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what they have to say, because as all of you guys know, if, if you've listened to this very many times, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in plastic. My confidence is in wax worms. Like I love wax worms. That's what I do. So, our buddy Craig Euler actually commented back and said, leave the meat at home. And I read it and I'm like, well, duh, leave the meat at home. That's what you got to do. And, and uh, you know, me and Matt kind of, as, as we were leading into this episode, I, I was telling him like, you know, hey, I think we should bring this up. And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals. Like if I had a plastic on my jig and, uh, you know, got out there fishing, say yesterday, and I got cold shouldered by the first fish, I'd be reeling up taking that plastic <laughs> off, dropping a waxworm back down. And and I could get cold-shouldered by the next five fish, and it wouldn't make a difference to me because I I still feel like I've got the best bait on. I think what a guy's got to do, and, and you know, me and Matt talked about this, is you got to go out there and you got to leave what your confidence bait is, you know, or, or whatever. Leave it at home. Leave yeah. it in the truck. Don't bring it out there. Force yourself to do something out of your comfort zone. Yep. And that, and that's the only way you're going to get better at it. Right. That's the biggest thing is just to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, we all get into our set habits and, you know, we're going to go here. We're going to, I'm going to start off with this jig. I'm going to use this bait and, uh, you know, well, they're just not biting today. Uh, sometimes, right. sometimes to, to get better at what you want to get better at, you got to do it. You can't just do it once or twice and then just call it that. Uh, there's a lot of times whether it be well ice ice fishing already this time this year once i was just going i didn't stop and pick up bait because i didn't feel like picking up bait i didn't really want to go through the hassle of having to keep it alive and doing all that stuff after i was done with it so i got plenty of plastics i'm just gonna fish with plastics you know and so you're out there you're fishing with that and you start to gain some confidence in it and you know sometimes you got to work it a little different than you do with a live bait uh, during the summertime too there's times where it's like I want to get better at doing this technique right here. So that's all I tie up. 
leave all, leave all the other rods in the rod locker and I just go out there and throw that, say, say you know, throwing a jig or something like that. I just throw the jig all day long. Try it in different areas until you start to learn like what the bite feels like and it's like, oh, okay. You start to pick up on that and get a little bit more confident on it and then pretty soon you know you're doing it more often. Right. Now, I mean, I would honestly say like at this point now in your ice fishing, your confidence is in plastics now, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely use plastics quite a bit. I mean, I would say that you use plastics, I mean, 75% of the time. Usually, yeah. You know, probably going to start off with plastic. You know, if I would happen to get hot right off the bat, you know, right. with my wax rooms, then then you'll make the switch. Uh, I'm too hard-headed to, uh, to understand that if Matt gets hot right off the bat and I'm not, that maybe I should make the switch. But, well, uh, and, you know, there's obviously just the natural... The, scent and all that stuff of the live bait has got its advantages and stuff like that but definitely the one thing i love about plastics is you know you're not fumbling around with the with the wax worms and stuff like that all the time um if you do get if you do have a fish come up and you miss it you can drop it right back down hopefully you know the plastic is still straight on your hook shank and you have a better chance of catching that fish whereas you know live bait a lot of times it's just like you're like man did it take my did it take the waxworm off there is it still there well i gotta reel up anyways well then sometimes like oh dang it it's still there so you quick try to drop down there or or you know you're down you got to fumble around with take your gloves off if you got gloves on and try to put that waxworm back on and by the time you drop it back down the hole they might be gone so just having that plastic is kind of a you know sometimes i i go with a one-two punch that's what i was doing yesterday a little bit with it too i had a plastic rigged up but then I also had, you know, spikes on the jigging spoon. And I had it loaded up, so I knew if I missed a fish, it didn't take all of them. But then when I'd catch one, if there wasn't any spikes on there, I'd quick grab it. When I got that perch up out of the out of the water, I'd take the plastic and drop it down in there while I was, you know, and work that while I'm trying to rebate my hook with the um, spikes so yeah yeah and i i was kind of also doing the exact same thing between a leech flutter spoon and then uh, a small tungsten and uh crazy thing i i just kind of realized this right as you were talking i never caught one fish yesterday on a small tungsten jig every single one of them came on a leech flutter spoon yesterday i caught a couple on drop kick jig did you mm-hmm. that's and one thing i like about perch and top and i did it a couple times yesterday and you did it you and I did it a couple times yesterday is when that school is underneath of them I mean or underneath of you you want to take advantage of that situation and top the one time was like hey get over here because he was catching one and he's like get over here I got a big school underneath so I ran over there and as soon as he got his up I dropped down there while he was taking that fish off and rebaiting and I caught one and by the time that happened you know he was able to drop back down and get everything ready to go and just kind of using that kind of that teamwork approach to it too sometimes yep you know, and I, you know, I think that you got to be at a certain spot, you know, mentally when you're fishing, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's really easy to, you know, be like, you know, these are my fish, you right. know, what oh, yeah. I, you know, I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I think once, once you catch a few of them and, and, you know, once you are at a spot where you realize that one 10 inch perch isn't going to make or break your fishing career, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, you know, like yesterday we, we did it a lot of times, you know, uh. I think it was when I really went on that walleye flurry, right? And uh, I I yelled at you and I was like, "Hey, man, get over here!" Because uh, doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. And and uh, you know, I mean, 
the bottom seven foot of fish was, you know, or bottom seven foot of, you know, my graph was all fish and whatever. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was fun. Uh, but I definitely, I bought $80 worth of Mackie plastics uh, <laughs> on the internet here a couple of days ago. Well, so well, I'm going to tell you this much, then you better get confident in well, that's plastics. Right. It's like, you know what? And, and you want to know what's even crazier? I bet you I got, I don't know. I got a lot of plastics already and, and, uh, I don't know. I just, I need to do it. I need to do it. I'm going to, the next time I go, I'm not going to buy, uh, any wax worms. I'm just going to go, I'm going to do it. And we'll always put a plastic on and maybe tip it with, with a wax worm or spikes and nope. Then fish. Nope. All right. Nothing. I was just, I was just trying to, all right. I, I appreciate your, uh, I appreciate your coaxing, but uh, just baby steps. Go, You're yep. going cold turkey, right? A, a cold turkey. That God knows that's how I live my I was, life. When I quit, I, figured, I quit. I figured you were going to do a 12 step program yeah. or something like that to use in soft plastic. Maybe that's know? what Brower needs to do. You know, kind of uh, uh, plastics anonymous. Me, yeah, uh, wax worms anonymous. You know, just uh, you know. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm a. Dick. Uh, I can be your sponsor. Yeah, no, that's right. And, you know, you can call me up it. when you're out there fishing, and you can be like, "I really want to put a wax worm on that. I really want to." I'm like, no, you can't, Scott. Just stick with it, okay? Have confidence in yourself. We're gonna give them coins. You know, yeah. seven seasons without using, <laughs> without using wax worms. I think we're on something. There. I do too. I do too. So, uh, and and in no way, shape, or form are we taking shots at at Alcoholics Anonymous. That's no. not uh, absolutely not. I'm I'm literally standing, we're sitting, uh, twenty feet away from a coin that I got from my friend who uh, runs the AA deal here, and uh, both me and Matt are we we don't drink, so right. Uh, in no way, shape, or form was that uh, throwing shade on at anything. Nope, but nope. So, uh, next up, uh, West River. Ice Expo, uh, that's a deal that's going to be going on this coming weekend out on Sheridan Lake in the Black Hills, and uh, kind of a neat deal. Uh, I'm a, I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but I've uh, seen um, some stuff online about it. Right. So uh, you know, I guess uh, if, if there was ever a year to do it, uh, this would be the year with COVID and everything. But uh, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, ice expos have been canceled. Uh, you know the indoor ice expos, whatever, um, you know, some of them just weren't as big as normal, but, uh, this is kind of something that's, uh, doing it a little bit different. And, uh, so it's going to be out on Sheridan Lake, uh, January 16 from 12 to four. And, uh, the deal of what they're going to do is, is, uh, you just go out there to Sheridan Lake, park your vehicle and you walk out onto the ice and uh, lots of different guys are going to be out there representing a lot of different brands. Uh, you know, I think there could be a couple vendors out there. But, uh, you know, it's one thing if, if uh, say, Joe Schmo is thinking about getting into ice fishing. And uh, so you go walk through the bait shop or you go to one of these ice expos and you see a Vexar, you see a Markham, you see all these tip-ups, whatever. And, uh, you know, you see them on the, on the shelf and, you know, maybe you can... Uh, you know, watch a video or whatever, but you can't ask questions. You can't, right. you know, really truly demo it. This is your opportunity to get out on the ice, see these things in action, use them yourself, ask the experts questions, you know, like, Hey, uh, you know, if, if I show up here and, you know, I drop this in there, you know, what do I got to do? Whatever. And, uh, I really think it's a really neat idea. You yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, so too. I mean, it, it's something that I don't know that I've never heard of it being done before. I'm sure it's probably been done. But uh, if you're in the western half of the, 
uh, state of South Dakota, I really think that this is maybe something that you got to think about if, if you're in the market and you want to learn. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it, going to be awesome. It is. I mean, it's like you said, it, being able to get it in your hands on the ice and actually see how stuff works. It's, you know, we, you can sit there and talk about drills. I mean, if there's or augers, if there's like three different brands of augers out there and you go out there and get to test out all three of them, you might be like, well, okay, I like this one a little bit more than that. You know, I like this, the aspect of this one. So that's going to help you with that purchase. Right. And, uh, I mean, see the weight of things, you know, I mean, un- understand. And like you said, you know, there's only so much you can learn from a demo mode at a store right. when it's on the shelf getting out there and uh all the flashers a lot of people don't know how the uh, how the ice fishing electronics work and then all of a sudden they're like oh so you can drop it you drop the lure down the hole for them and you can see it going down on your exactly screen and it, it starts to make sense to people and they're just maybe they'll get into it more then right i mean this this really truly goes back to before I had a Vexar and my brother had a Vexar and I'm like, you know, them things are freaking stupid. You know, if, if you want anything, you know, you want underwater camera. And I didn't understand how a graph worked like that and, and, uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, all of a sudden Eric kind of shows me at the one time and it's like, Oh yeah, well, I guess that's not quite as tough as what I right, thought it was. You know I mean? It's, it's, it's super easy. easy. And, uh, you know I mean? To go and actually see it and I, I, you know, I mean, YouTube videos are great, you know, demo videos are great, but you can't ask them questions and, and this is your chance to ask some questions. So, uh, yeah, I believe, uh, it, it's called the West river ice expo. And, uh, I think that, uh, I imagine if you want any more information, um, go to the rooster for yeah. one in rapid city or call the rooster. And I think that they'd be able to, uh, uh, set you up but otherwise i'm sure if you just do a quick search on facebook uh there's going to be some different stuff around and uh yeah i i i, I encourage you to go out there and uh, check that out so because not only are you going to learn a bunch of stuff it's just a cool area yep oh for sure if you <laughs> well actually me and uh me and grady were supposed to go out there next weekend uh and uh we were gonna go to this to this expo and whatever but uh we found out on Saturday at his tournament that he's got another basketball tournament that wasn't scheduled for this coming Saturday, and so uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and reschedule that for another weekend. But uh, yeah, is what it is. That's that. Uh, Bassmaster Classic officially rescheduled. Rescheduled, moved. And Not moved, but just moved dates. I think that's a very good idea. I like it. I do. I, do. I know I saw online there's a lot of people complaining about oh, it. Oh, they're stuff always like going to complain. There's always going to be complainers, but, you know, it's going to be cool. It's going to change the fishing up. Uh, obviously, is there going to be as high weights as there would be in the spring and stuff like that? Probably not. But no. but I tell you what, it I, anytime I, it gives other guys opportunities to compete for, like, a title like that, I like it. Right. Right, so it uh, it's officially been moved from uh, I think the last weekend in February to uh, June 11 through 13. Uh, that is down uh, Lake Ray Roberts, uh, I think outside of Fort Worth, Texas, and um, they kind of had to do some different things. Uh, they they changed out like a Pickwick tournament, and then they changed out like maybe a Tennessee River tournament, and uh, kind of shuffled some stuff up uh, to make the traveling a little bit easier, whatever. But uh, I think everyone's kind of thinking that uh, the, there's light at the end of the tunnel with this COVID deal. And uh, the Bassmaster Classic Expo is, is you know, 
just as big as the classic tournament itself. You know, I mean, everyone knows the expo, you know, all the pros get together, all the biggest brands in fishing, uh, you know, show up there to take part in this expo. And, uh, I think between, you know, vaccinations and just, uh, herd immunity and, and, just uh, just giving you know, some more time, right. Instead so, of full out canceling it. Right. Right. And, and push it cause back that, and that ain't good. Well, and you know, I mean, I guess, uh, you, you, you put it in June and, uh, you plan on having the whole entire deal, you know, tournament and expo. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you get closer to June and it's like, you know what, we don't have this thing curbed yet. Well, then you drop the expo and you just run right. a regular tournament and it yep. is what it is. At least we tried. And, uh, I, I think it's a very smart decision and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how it, uh, plays out. So, yeah, I, I just, it's awesome that they move. I, I like it. Yep. Like I said, I think it's going to work out good for them and, you know, maybe it will get more, I think it might get more traction than what people realize just because it's kind of the summertime and it's yeah, what people more think people, of fishing. Yep. Yep. And, um, instead of like in March when it usually is. Everybody and, in the country's fishing in June. Right. You know, I mean, for us up here, I mean, we're, we're sitting here watching somebody, you know, fish for bass while we're sitting out on, you know, yeah, while we're out ice fishing. Yeah. So, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, you know, the, like you say, the bag weights might be a little bit smaller, but I do think that uh, June June is still. I mean, it's it's early enough yet. You right. know, I mean, you're not uh, you know late July. You know, major scorcher. I I think I think it's good. I think I think it's going to end up being great, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of tournaments, uh, Ultimate Panfish League uh, kicked off. I believe maybe their first tournament of the year. Uh, up on, that was up on Pokagama, Pokagama, and uh, so they did a live video, uh, and and uh, I just I think that that's worth talking about because it kind of sounds like they're going to be doing more of that, but uh, you know they literally walked up you know from person to person, and uh, it was Thane Jensen, uh, Dave Gens, and uh, Kathy Roberts, and. Uh, Kathy Roberts is Dave's daughter, but you know, I mean, it was really neat to see what these different people were doing. I can't say that everyone looked enthusiastic about sitting and fishing in front of a camera, but, uh, I mean, a live look and, uh, you know, if, if you threw out a question, Thane was answering questions. And I just, I think that that's maybe something that really has never been going on in ice fishing. And I kind of liked it. Right. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like you said, guys are so secretive and stuff like that, and they don't want to give out their stuff. But sometimes it it's kind of like the live on bass. Right. It, right. Yeah, you can't lie about it then. Right. It's just like you can kind of see how people are doing it. Uh, maybe they'll change up their presentations when, you know, the camera comes around. But it, it's fun to listen to the guys while they're doing it. Right. And uh, so, I don't know. I think uh, they're going to keep doing it. And, and every week, I guess they're going to have a – a big guest, uh, they, they're already talking about, you know, releasing who the, the guest is for next week. Um, and, uh, I mean, if they had Dave Gens this week, I imagine it's going to be a, a, a super guest again next week. I don't know if you're not doing anything on the Sunday morning. Uh, I think it's, I think it's worth, uh, following along just to check it out. I and, think it would be cool to see the ultimate path and fish league. Some of them go out to the black Hills one of these times. That would be cool. That would be cool I because mean, they're getting think, to be some good panfish lakes right, out there. Right. And I think that it's like kind of a place that people don't talk about for panfish. But I think if they got out there and did it, I think that 
they think yep. that it was pretty cool. Let them loose on Pactola or, or Sheridan, and uh, yeah, there's there's good bluegills out there. So um, yeah, that that would be very cool. Um, oh yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I was gonna say. Hats off to our local dudes, uh, Colby Craninger and uh, Ben Luderman or Letterman. Yep. Uh, I don't. Yep. I apologize, Ben, but uh, they're from over in the Iowa Great Lakes area, and they got third place up there right. uh, on that Ultimate Panfish League. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome. So, kind of, I think that they're going to take a lot of people by storm this year. They work hard. They've been really up in their game practicing and stuff like that getting up there and those are good fishermen right they there. are those guys know how to <laughs> yeah. get after them yep so well matt i don't know you got anything else or are we going to call that one well i got a couple housekeeping deals housekeeping uh, housekeeping a uh we are gonna try to get todd todd probably on the next episode so uh hopefully hopefully that's the way that ends up um shirts are done uh i got a I got a message already like last Wednesday that they were done. And uh, so I messaged him uh, yesterday, I think it was. And he said UPS never came and picked him up. But he did say UPS was going to be picking him up on Monday. I should have him on Tuesday. I'll start to ship him out on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. So uh, um, especially everyone here up in the upper Midwest uh, should have him here hopefully in the next week to 10 days. And uh you know, we've got a couple going down to the southeast. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I appreciate everyone that did buy one. We've got a couple extras. So if you're listening and you think, oh, golly, I wish I would have got some. I think we've got a couple extras. I won't guarantee we got one in your size. But uh, reach out to us. And uh, if there's enough uh, if there's enough interest, hell, we'll do another order. So That's right. Um, yeah, I don't looking know. Looking sharp, looking fly. That's right. When you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you fish good. Right. If you, so if, it's basically science. It really and, is. Uh, I mean, we've done a lot of scientific experiments. I'm always looking good, and I'm always fishing good. Matt's always not looking the best, and his fishing reflects that. So, right. It uh, does. It. I mean, it's science, guys. I mean, I'd like to sit here and BS you. But exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. You got a... Good news story. You got a good news story? I'm going to... I'm going to give a shout out to Maggie Young out at the club for boys. Yeah, absolutely. Got, uh, did a post the other day, got some of the boys from the club out fishing earlier than the Hooked on Hard Water event, um, just to practice ice safety and just kind of give them an idea of what's going on. So I thought that was pretty cool to see that her getting all those kids out, getting a bunch of kids out on the ice. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, definitely, definitely agree. Um, my good news story is going to go out to, uh, our buddy, tall Scott Mockentoon. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, like we've said before, he's not good for a whole lot of anything besides uh, grabbing boxes off the top shelf. But apparently his daughters are because they went out and caught some slab crappies. They did. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's awesome that Scott's uh, getting them out. They kind of had like a little art project out there, too. And uh, Yeah, uh, it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I'm going to give that the uh, the good news story of the week. Uh, um, just getting kids out fishing. Um, did you see that there's a deal that, that's sponsoring Hooked on Hardwater this year called Back Fishing, B-A-K Fishing? Yeah. Bring a Kid Fishing is, is kind of their deal. So uh, that's what B-A-K, Back Fishing, stands for, Bring a Kid. Uh, 
So I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see where that organization goes. Uh, you know, I think that'll be kind of cool. And uh, yeah, who knows? I, I know the guys that are doing it are some bass fishermen. Heck yeah. So, I mean, they're going to get these kids started off right. You know it's going to be good then. That's right. So, I guess that's that. Uh, I realize that that wasn't a whole hell of a lot of an episode 106 for you guys, but uh, um, we're going to work on Todd Todd, and uh, we've got another guy that we're working on, and uh, I'd say it's basically one of the biggest names in the uh, upper Midwest fishing industry, so hopefully... Besides uh, us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I said one of. Right. I mean, that means that he could be third, because... I'm number one, and you're number two. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. Matt top, did top another two. podcast. Top two? Yeah, the Shack Talk podcast. Shack Talk podcast. Eskimo Shack Talk podcast. Uh, Anthony and Kyle were nice enough to pick my brain a little bit about Okaboji, so... Can you imagine, I mean, Matt just BSing the crap out of some people for a whole entire hour episode? It wasn't just... an hour. It was only like 20... They they do theirs a little different than ours. They, they do. They interview guys, like a couple guys at a time. Okay. For about like 20, 25 minutes, so... Yeah, he lied to them the whole entire episode, <laughs> and they bought it. So. <laughs> hey, good enough. Yeah, because I told them my buddy Scott and I had a podcast, so... So what was the lie there? That was it. My buddy, Scott. I'm going to kick you in the nuts. (laughs) All right, that's episode 106. See ya.